May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of the Lord today from Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 11 is kind of a a, a crazy thing to think about because Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples and then he's telling them to go throughout the earth. Now he doesn't have a 777 or an A380 Airbus pulled up at the Jerusalem airport, but he says, you go. You are my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You are the ones who are going to take this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you're going to go and get after it in, in my name. Now I can't think of another time in history, and I'm willing to be corrected, where the leader said, I'm leaving, but you carry on, and I expect it when I leave for it to be exponentially better than it is now. I expect you 11 guys plus maybe another 72 or so to get up, get out, and change the world. Typically, it doesn't work that way. Typically, leaders find their power, have their apex, and then as things kind of go south, they say, wait a minute, we got to clean this up and backfill with people and make it happen and make it work, but not Jesus. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've heard me, you've seen me rise from the dead, you've watched everything that's gone on, now you will be my witnesses. You will be the ones that simply tell the world what I've done. And the world was a small place for them. Galilee and Nazareth and Jerusalem and Bethany and until they went out into the big wide world and after a century the big the big cosmopolitan areas of the world had been led to Christ Rome knew of Jesus Alexandria knew of Jesus Christian culture because of service and love for people had started to permeate the world or the Western world and 300 years from this day and this time. Christianity was the dominant culture and the dominant religion in a fragmented Roman civilization. But it all started here. It started with Jesus saying, you will be my witnesses. Sometimes I tell people, if you could see what I see, you would love it. As pastor of a church like ours, I get to see some pretty cool things. I get to sit down and I get to see y'all. And, and I get to know the stories of how you got here and what it means and how it worked. I can look and say, this is how it happened. And I remember when. And I look at Allison and I, I, I think of, man, she's on her way to Naval Academy. She graduated from high school and she's on her way. And you just know. Went to Africa with your daughter. Chuck, we prayed you through your, your surgery. Tony cooked the bride. You just, just know, right? I get to see the ministry of the Lord Jesus in action in this church in a way that I don't think anybody else gets to see. It's really humbling. It really, it's really a humbling perspective. Because someone told someone from the Ascension story from Acts 1, who told someone who told someone who told someone who got on a boat, and they told someone who told someone who told someone who told you, the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you know, but Jerusalem's a long way from Southern California. But there's never been a movement as successful 
or as influential or as pervasive as the Christian movement of faith from Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And with that comes so, so many good things. So many things that changed for the better because Christ's word and the gospel went, in, went into the world. Orphanages, hospitals, universities, literacy, music, architecture, knowledge and wisdom. All of those things don't have their roots in 21st century America, but they have their roots in the Christian movement, which was initiated here on Ascension Day. Unreal. You could play Name That Tune with 21st century songs and maybe the younger people would know those tunes. But if we had you lead out on three measures of Handel's Messiah, everyone would do what? Stand up. How pervasive is the movement initiated in the name of Jesus? I love that. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You are my witnesses. Where's your Jerusalem? Where are you the witness in the place closest to you? In our congregation, it's been a pretty rough week. We've had seven people pass away this week. Yeah, four in the last 36 hours. Pastor Nathan just been a dynamo in going out. I came over this morning before church to see. I said, you ready to preach, big guy? He goes, yeah, I'm a little wore out, but I'm, I'm good to go. But those stories of bringing the gospel into that closest place of life, those who are our friends and loved ones, you see, that's where it starts, is in those close relationships where, where, where we know one another and we say, you know what, I'll be there for you. And as pastor of a church like this, I get to see that. This Thursday, I was over to family's home and, 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 and we were talking about the death of the, the, the husband, the father, the grandpa, and, and a little child in the middle of the room cooing and making beautiful noises. And we went from laughter to tears and tears to laughter. And, and all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. And in walked two ladies, and they said, we brought dinner for you. Both of them in recent memory had each lost their husband. And so they knew personally the pain that the family was going through. And they took a minute of love and grace and kindness with their friend who was involved in a Bible study with them on Thursday mornings. And and they gave the requisite instructions because that's what you do when you do that. Well, it's hot enough now, but in a little bit, you may have to put it in the oven because, and don't dry it out because, and there's bread and there's vegetables and there's a little salad and there's a little something sweet for dessert. And, and then they went out to the doorway and I'm not sure what was exchanged there, but whatever it was, it was poignant because the lady who had lost her husband came back with hopeful eyes, but tears streaming down her face. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ travels like that. It travels when people are in broken times and the strong people step up to come around them and bring them the love of Jesus. That's our Jerusalem, our family and friends and loved ones who need the love of God in that moment and who receive it in the community of the church, who find connections and linkages in Christ in grace 
understanding that when we give that gospel freely away to one another, that the transformation that happens in the heart of the person who receives it is of an eternal consequence and makes an enormous difference in that moment. Witnesses close to home, right here and now. Every morning I wake up and I've got a little slip of paper and, and, and it's eye level. It's, I look right at it. And I've got a pen that I like to carry and I've got a few things I put in my pocket, my keys, my wallet, all my, my kind of my stuff, you know, as you load out and get ready in the morning. And I'm a little bit uh, OCD, so I kind of do it in the same order. And if I don't, I forget to brush my teeth or whatnot. And I get down the road, I'm like, wait a minute. I, oh, yeah, yeah. You just kind of, okay, brush teeth, grab pen, let's go and read my little thing. And my little piece of paper says, God's church doesn't have a mission. Rather, God's mission has a church. God's church doesn't have a mission. Rather, God's mission has a church. They might look at me and wrinkle your brow a little bit and say, Klinkenberg, you're losing your marbles. Of course, there's a mission and a mission statement to a church, and that's how it works. Are you crazy? Haven't you read enough management books? Don't you get it? And I said, yeah, I get it, but... God chose to use the church to bring his message into the world. The end of the mission is not the church. The, the, the beginning of the mission is the church of Jesus Christ. The beginning of the mission, the platform from which the mission goes into the world is through the church. And where the church loses its focus on mission and says, we're just going to stand flat. We're just going to chill out. No harm, no foul. We'll just wait until there's four of us here. We'll sell the property and we'll die and it'll all be good. Uh Uh-uh. That was never a part of Jesus' plan here in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. That little note reminds me every morning that the church is not the deliverable, but the church is called to deliver the restorative hope of Jesus into the world. That from the ascension of Jesus until he returns, the church is the instrument of healing and the presence of God's gracious love into into the world. The point of the church is being witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. The church doesn't have a mission. Rather, God's mission drives the church. And God uses his church. He uses us to reveal Christ to the world and we're of a church that has enough scale that we can do that at times but when we band together it's amazing if you could see what I see if you could see this vacation Bible school thing coming together as a as a marvelous movement of God's people if you could see the work that we've done to make sure that when 1100 people hit our campus on Monday morning June 17th that we are fired up and ready to go into the Judea and Samaria, into our neighborhoods, into the place where we have influence, into the place where years ago people said, well, that's St. John's Orange. They have a bowling alley in their basement over here. And all the guys gather to smoke cigarettes, transact the city business, trade oranges, and do whatever they do. What do they do now? Well, I'm not sure the ins and outs, but I can tell you on June 17th, it's going to get a little crazy. And I could have chosen any one of a number of, of pieces of ministry to, that, that affect our neighborhood that, that is done in the name of children. We just finished confirmation two weeks ago. This Friday evening, we graduated our students from our school. 
but Vacation Bible School starts two weeks from tomorrow. And we've been planning it for over a year. We're gathering volunteers for teaching, helping. We're serving snacks, leading music. We're getting set up and take down. All sorts of support work is being done. We're working hard to use every square inch, every resource of this campus, so that as witnesses of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can reach as many people as possible with the gospel of his love. So that we can lead children and their families to the cross of Jesus. So that they will hold in their souls by faith the only thing that saves the love of the Lord and the sacrifice of Jesus. And we bring that witness into our community and work hard as a congregation to make that happen. Jerusalem, close to home, Judea and Samaria, our neighborhoods, and to the very ends of the earth. Thomas ended up in India. Paul ended up in Rome. They didn't have big airplanes, buses, taxis, Uber, Lyft, you name it. Cell phones, computers, internet. But they had the drive of the Lord and the invitation to go and be witnesses to Jesus. One thing I'm having trouble seeing is where the end of the world is for St. John's. What would the end of the world look like? And I don't mean the end, like, I mean, the end. You get on an airplane, you fly from here to uh, Dubai, from Dubai to Chennai, and you're in India, and it's the other end of the world. And it's the other end of the world culturally. It's the end of the world with what you eat. It's the end of the world with how people drive. It's the end of the world with structure to society, with sights and sounds and smells and all that stuff. And it's pretty crazy. The Christians there are so passionate. What's the end of the end of the earth look like for St. John's Orange? Where would it be for us? Kenya or India or Mexico? As a congregation, we're kind of rolling along here. Things are all right. Our, our, our numbers are good. Our attendance is on the rise. We've brought in a whole bunch of new members. Our enrollment's going to be up for next year. We've got money and dollars. We're doing great. Our choir sounds fantastic. And just when you think the choir's fantastic, Shana gets up and sings. Yeah. And where's Alex and you young? I mean, they, there you are. These guys rock. Where's the end of the earth? I think that's a question we need to explore together as a congregation. I'm pretty sure it's not my decision to figure out by myself how that happens. But that's an enormous horizon for St. John's Orange. Absolutely enormous. You see, when we were given an $8 million gift about five or six years ago, you guys decided to set aside 10% of that gift, a tithe of that gift. And we've spent a little nickel and dime here and there on some neat stuff, but, but what would God lead us to? And how would we wrap up that end of the, end of the earth type ministry site or project and how would that help us lead thousands of people to Jesus Christ and make an impact for the kingdom of God? As a people, we could hoard that money. We could just hold on to it and say, you know what? We'll save it for a rainy day. We don't know when and blah, blah, blah. And we can rest assured that when we do that, what, what, what God does is he says, well, if you're not going to spend it and use it, then you don't really need any more. I've watched that happen time and time and time again. We could just fritter it away on stuff and buy cool stuff to make ourselves more comfortable. 
or we could work together to figure out where the end of the earth is for St. John's Orange. I think one of the biggest challenges for our congregation going forward is doubling down on our witness to win more people for Jesus Christ, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. Explore what it looks like in our community and our church to advance the mission of Jesus in a manner and a scale that is commensurate with our resources. I wonder what that looks like and what that means. And I think it's maybe the most important question that's facing our congregation in the next three to five years. Where is the end of the earth for St. John's Orange? If you could see what I see, some of the best things that I get to see, I get to see leaders work together. And one of the leaders I got to watch and work with was Jeff Lyle. Jeff's up in Napa today. His son and uh, daughter, uh, his son and, and uh, his fiance, they're getting married today up in Napa. And it's just a fantastic opportunity. I wish Jeff was here so I could have him stand up and be acknowledged. But we had the trustees and some leaders of our church read a book called The Outwardly Focused Church. And very quietly... There's been a little bit of a cultural evolution in St. John's Orange. The book was a study on congregations that said the most important part of ministry is the witness to Jesus through the church into the world, into the neighborhoods, and into the world. All very congruent with the gospel of Jesus Christ from Acts chapter 1, where Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. What does it mean to have a church that if we dried up and blew away, that the community of Orange would say, wait a minute, where's St. John's? <laughs> they were here for this and that. They took care of that foster care stuff. They were in the parade. They fed these people. They did that. They're working with a homeless thing. They've got a shelter for uh, families in trouble. They've got this stuff going on here and there and everywhere. Where'd St. John's go? And I like how far we've come in that thinking. But my sense is there's a long way to go. Memorial Day weekend, last weekend, is typically the kickoff to summer. And summer at St. John's is going to be interesting. We're going to start the summer with seven funerals, and that's a big deal. Every resource that we have goes towards that. People say, what is your rule of, of thumb, Pastor? How do you deploy your people? And I said, dead and dying people first, sick people second, and administration third. The first thing we do is come around those who are broken because that's the call of God. But the summer season is going to be a transitional one for us at St. John's. Pastor Rosso took a call, as you're well aware. Randy Einem, our executive director, has taken a call and is moving to Houston. Other leaders, other staff people are transitioning in and out. And the mission of Jesus Christ continues to be before us. So perhaps this summer we give ourselves as a congregation Time in prayer, reflection, and understanding of St. John's place in God's grand mission to the world. God's mission has a church. And St. John's Orange, our work is about that mission of Jesus. Like it was for the disciples on the Mount of Ascension. So how after a point of transition do we get after it with even greater focus and greater intentionality, and even greater results. I don't know. But I think it's an exciting time to be in this community.
Because why? Because Jesus stood on a mountain years ago and he said, you will be my witnesses and you will bring the gospel of my love to the very ends of the earth. And once it's been back to the ends, you're going to recreate that and you're going to go and go and go and go and go until I come back. Someone who told Someone who knew someone told someone who told someone who told someone who told someone who got on a boat who told someone who told someone who told someone that led you to Christ. And that impact has shaped your life. The love of God in Jesus has shaped your life. And that's why you're here today deeply committed to the Lord Jesus himself and his mission. What if by God's grace and by his providence, in his sovereign will, someone who told someone who told someone who told you, and you told someone who told someone who told someone, and the population of heaven goes up because that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. It saves people and leads them to Jesus. So the homework from church today is pretty simple. Over these next 90 days of summer or so, let's pray for our church, our leaders. Let's pray that God gives them wisdom and insight as we define the end of the earth and as we deploy the best resources that St. John's have, that being service and people, and later on dollars. And let's see if God would use us in a movement of his grace in the same manner, in the same effect that he used his disciples. Would you join me in that over these next couple days, next couple months? And would you encourage me as I help our staff and leadership think through that? Let's do that together and see where God would lead us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. It's an in-between Sunday, Lord. We're not quite to summer yet. For goodness sakes, Lord, it rained outside today. That's crazy. What? But the mission, the mission goes on. And the mission doesn't stop because of culture or politics or economics or whatever. Uh, Lord, the disciples didn't start with a budget, a building, or cash. They started with you. So too, Lord, we start with lots and lots of stuff, but we need you first and foremost in our hearts and in our lives. So bless us as a congregation with wisdom and insight, with keen understanding of the context uh, that, that we live in and the grace that our community needs so deeply and so dearly. Grant us, Lord, to think big thoughts and dream big dreams as people are one to you through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Grant us courage and fearlessness. Grant us connections and relationships that will lead us into avenues of conversation and perhaps, Lord, into those marvelous opportunities to make an enormous impact. Bless us to that end. And Lord, as, as you open those doors in our own Jerusalem, in, in, in the places where we live and breathe and have our being, open our eyes to those who need us and allow us your compassion for them that leads us to share your love and your kindness with them. Bless us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.